What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. We are going to go over everything that happened in week nine on Sunday. A lot going on. Justin Fields, oh my goodness, exploding. Like yeah. he, he, wow, what a, what, what a performance. We, we basically saw the best rushing performance ever by a quarterback in history. Yeah, essentially, we, essentially. I mean, there's Amazing. that one. They said that, you know, Colin Kaepernick ran for 181 in the playoffs, but I don't really count playoffs because that's not fantasy football. You know, the best fantasy football performance on the ground by a quarterback comes via Justin Fields this week. And after tearing up two good defenses in the Patriots and the Cowboys, if this is what he's doing to the Dolphins defense, which isn't that bad, you know, they just got Bradley Chubb. What's he going to do next week to the Lions? <laughs> like, you got to win Lions next week. I didn't, I didn't even see that. Is yeah. He? Mm-hmm. oh boy oh boy all right <laughs> it's gonna be bad um hope everyone's doing well on this monday let's go go into everything that happened in in week nine just to kind of get you ready for week 10 uh first things first frank reich head coach of the indianapolis colts colts just got fired yep he's done jim ursay just tweeted that frank reich is done with the team the three and five not not where they wanted to be. Seemed like, you know, they, they want to kind of turn things around. I guess after what the Colts offense has shown, you know, this pa- these past couple of weeks, it hasn't been great. Uh, you know, and it's possible that the Colts might go end up going back to Matt Ryan. <laughs> like yeah. I can totally see that happening. Sam Ellinger, you know, has not looked good, right? Especially yesterday on Sunday. He did not look good at all. Seemed lost out there. So I can totally see, you know, the next head coach saying, all right, let's bring back in Matt Ryan. You can't tell me that Sam Ellinger gives you a better chance than Matt Ryan. You know what I'm saying? Like, it yeah. just hasn't looked good. The experiment was, you know, went wrong. You know, Frank, I, I, he, you know, he was probably like, no, it's either Sam Ellinger stays at quarterback or I, or just fire me. And they said, okay, we will <laughs> fire you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Frank Reich is a good offensive coach, you know, overall. I think he'll find his way. I think he'll, he'll get another job. You know, is he allowed to like work this season? Like, is that possible? Like, can another team just like pick him yeah, up and say like, like hey, like, like, can you, can you be our head, <laughs> our offensive coordinator? Uh, uh, I don't know. What about the Steelers? Uh, yeah, the Steelers maybe. Could use some, the Steelers could use some offensive coaching help. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where he ends up landing. I would assume he's, you know, might take a vacation for the rest of this season and then, you know come back next season as a you know a pretty good offensive coach but he you know he he did you know handpick a couple quarterbacks over the last couple of seasons didn't really work out so well for him mm-hmm. uh but you know we'll see how they do moving forward but Deion Jackson you know he he was the guy for them right 80% of yeah. snaps you know before he ended up leaving the game in the third quarter um you know he he ended up with a knee injury Right, he left the game. Jordan Wilkins was the next man up. You, you never know. Zach Moss could make his debut next week if Jackson can't go. Uh, it seems like he was he had a hyperextended knee. That's like what the initial thoughts are. And if yeah. that's the case, then most likely he'll be back next week. Uh, but we'll see. You know, Jonathan Taylor on deck. It's possible that he ends up playing next week, but we'll see how that works out. And this entire offense, you know, is going to be interesting to see like what you know what what kind of changes the next coach makes you know there's no word on who's got that guy going to be yet maybe there is i haven't checked yet yeah. um but in terms of like you know who, who the guys are like i would want to just you know keep paris campbell you know on my bench if i'm not starting him 
right? Obviously, hold on to Michael Pittman, obviously. Um, you know, you kind of want to see what Alec Pierce can do. There's some talented pieces on this offense that, you know, could potentially get better, you know, if the philosophy changes, if they use guys different ways. You know, the offensive line hasn't been great, but can you do something from a coaching perspective that could mitigate that, right? There, there are yeah. a few things that can happen uh, with a head coaching change. Yeah, and with Deion Jackson, just to hit on his injury quick, if you watch the game, it looked exactly like a hyperextended knee. It's not like one that you got to think about it and maybe it's like, oh, could be this, that, the other. He was warming it up. He was trying to, you know, like keep it warm and it looked like he's going right. to try and get back into the game. So he, it doesn't look like it's going to be something that's long-term. But I kind of feel bad for Frank, right, because he's kind of dealing with, you know, the injury bug right now, especially at running back. And then obviously Matt Ryan didn't work out for them. You, you turn to a rookie quarterback. At that point, it's like the circumstances are so bad. It's like, I don't think Matt, I don't think Frank Reich is going to be like, you know, upset. I think he understands what's going on this season isn't all necessarily his fault. But as we've said with coaching changes, sometimes they light a fire under a team's ass. Like we saw that with the Panthers and they had two really good weeks of fantasy production out of nowhere. And they've obviously come back down to earth. We'll get into that later. But mm -hmm. this could help. You know, if Jonathan Taylor could come back and get healthy and maybe, like you said, they turn back to Matt Ryan. I think at this point it's looking like he gives them a better chance to win, even though, you know, he was turning it over a lot. Sam Ellinger, you know, at least he, he he looked lost. At least Matt Ryan looked like an NFL quarterback in those games. Yeah. It's just a bad situation for him. If they go back to Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor gets healthy, I think we could start to see this offense kind of come back together. Um, but right now, it, it wasn't looking good. Um, what we kind of figured was going to happen did happen. Bill Belichick's defense just ate a young quarterback alive, Matt Judon. You know, shout out to him. He's just a monster with those red sleeves coming up the edge. You know where he's coming from every single play, and they still can't cover him. Um, it was just a rough showing, and it ended up with Frank Reich being fired. Um, I wasn't necessarily anticipating that, but, you know, it kind of makes sense the way the season's going. I don't think you have anything to worry about with Deion Jackson. I think he should be good to go next week. Um, I'm not a doctor, but if Jonathan Taylor comes back, obviously you're starting him. Dr. Rizzuto with the goods. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cordell Patterson, we're moving on to Atlanta real quick. He came back. He had two touchdowns in this game. Uh, it was a three-man timeshare. Uh, for the most part, uh, in his first game back, you know, both Patterson Al and Algier pretty much split snaps down the middle. 38% uh, yeah. of snaps each. Uh, the rest of the snaps were played by Caleb Huntley and, uh, you know, a little bit of Avery Williams. And I think next week it's possible that we see Patterson start to take a, a, a larger role, right? But Algier mm -hmm. did look good, right? He had that big run. And it's possible that both he and Patterson start to make this more of a two-man backfield. I can totally see that happening. Uh, I think both are going to be fantasy viable just because like this is a run first offense. That's how they want to beat teams. And, yeah. you know, Patterson, he did get all the goal line snaps over Algier uh, in this game. So that that's, that's, a, that's good for Patterson's value. Uh, on top of that, you know, his, I think his snap share is only going to go up, right? He's not going to see 38% mm -hmm. of snaps. So I can see this being at least 50 to 60% of snaps for quarter Patterson next week. And, you know, He's going to be a pretty good fantasy asset. Like you're going to have to rank him, you know, in the top 24 running backs at the very least. I think easily top 24 for Cordero Patterson, especially if you know, like we said, his his touches go up. Tyler Algier looks pretty good too. I think that this is going to settle into a, a one-two punch between Algier and Cordero Patterson, with Cordero Patterson having the edge, um, especially like you said, his volume goes up because he scored two touchdowns on relatively limited carries, um, 13 carries to Tyler Algier's 10. 
I think Alger has done enough at this point that he's kind of cemented himself as a, a nice piece in this backfield that he's not going to be, you know, like losing out on time that much, even though Cordero Patterson is healthy or he's going to be healthy. I think even if he wasn't 100% this week, he looked really good anyway. So obviously he's explosive. And Caleb Huntley and Avery Williams, you know, they spelled him and they were, they were all right. And we talked about Damian Williams maybe being part of this backfield. I don't really see that coming into play at this point, the way that the rest of these running backs have played. Um, Cordero Patterson, obviously you're starting him. Um, as an RB2. I, you might be able to get away with Tyler Algier as a flex in certain games. I'm not sure if he's going to be as reliable as he's been with Cordero Patterson, Patterson banged up, but he has upside. I mean, he's shown that he's an explosive ball carrier, you know, 10 for 99. That's that's pretty good. Um, and he had that one explosive run. He ran, I think it was like a 40 yard. Was it, was it a run or a catch? I don't know. He took a run or a catch early in the game and he you know, went long distance. I, th- I think it was, it was. I think it was a run. I think yeah, was, I'm okay. pretty sure it was a run. Yeah. So it was runs. But he, the point is, he looked good. You know, he passes the eye test. He's not exactly Travis Etienne, but he's he's definitely explosive and he deserves time on the field. So I think if two running backs are going to come out of this backfield, it's going to be Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier. Um, Algier won't be as reliable, but he'll have week to week flex appeal. Yeah. No. I I 100 agree. Um. All right. Let's see what else is going on here. Mike uh, Garrett Wilson. You know, two straight big games now, right? He caught yeah. eight or nine targets for 92 yards, 36% targets here in this game. Um, the Jets are going to be on a bye, right? So Corey mm-hmm. Davis uh, has a chance of coming back in week 11. That can potentially have an effect on Garrett Wilson's target share because Corey Davis, like Zach Wilson, was looking for Corey Davis, you know, er- earlier on in the season before he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, if you're wondering, Elijah Moore played half the snaps that Garrett Wilson did in this game. It seems like he's still... Uh, in the doghouse, Denzel Mims is playing over Elijah Moore uh, as a starting wide receiver. So that tells you what you need to know there. So I wouldn't bank on Elijah Moore making any sort of impact this season, uh, you know, at, at mm-hmm. this point. Like we kind of figured that earlier. But yeah. now the fact that, you know, he's still not getting snaps, still not getting targets, that's not good for him. But Garrett Wilson, like he can be, he can make a late season run here. Um, yeah. You know, even when Corey Davis is back, I wouldn't sleep on him because he's obviously, you know, he's a top 10 pick in this draft. Very talented. Right. Play with Chris Olave at, at Ohio State. Both these guys, you know, should be top end wide receivers in the NFL. And they've already showed their potential. So uh, yeah. don't sleep on Gary Wilson as a potential fantasy starter for you uh, once they're back from by. I, I think it's 100 percent fair. Before I get into Elijah Moore, I just want to say congratulations to your Jets. For beating the Bills, like I didn't see that coming. If I, if I was betting, I would have lost so many yesterday. You know what I'm saying, dude? <laughs> the Jets look really good. The Jets are six and three. This is I was talking to a buddy of mine. You know, we talked about this. This is like the Mark Sanchez Rex days when the offense stunk, but the <laughs> defense was carrying were carrying you, and the offense made the plays when they needed to. Right? That's yeah. kind of how the Jets have been winning these games and a lot of close games. The Jets have been winning some really close games which is another testament to the head coaches, right? To all the coaching staff. Like, that's what you want. You want to win these close games. And against the Bills, the Bills are 0-2 against the division right now, right? Yeah, They have their their one game, their half game ahead of the Jets, you know, in in the division standings. And the Jets are 2-1, I think, in the division or 2-0 in the division, something like that. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, it's not going to take much. And then on top of that, you look at Josh Allen real quick to get into that. He has an elbow injury apparently. Mm-hmm. And he said after the game that he was in pain, something that he's going to have to deal with. So I'm wondering, I'm really curious to see what this elbow injury is and if it's going to affect those deep passes. Um, yeah. And it might, 
right? <laughs> so like that's something to kind of keep an eye on, not only if you're a Bills fan, but if you have Josh Allen or a guy like Gabriel Davis, you know, in your lineup, like is he going to be able to, you know, hit those bombs deep, right? And yeah. and I, I would hope so. I think he'll be fine. But again, like I'll call I'll call myself Doctor Siddiqui here and there, but you know I, I don't really know what kind of effect this is going to have on Josh Allen for the rest of the season. So just something to keep an eye on. But yeah, yeah dude, the Jets, man, six <laughs> and three. This is pretty exciting, right? Because this is the best start that they've had uh, in twelve years. Yeah. So. Robert Sala, you know, all of it's coming together right now. Like we had, you know, a pretty good confidence in, in, in our GM, right? In, in JD, uh, Joe yeah. Douglas. And, you know, now that, you know, the pieces that they've been putting together and then the depth on top of it, right? Like Brees Hall, you know, he's gone. But listen, mm-hmm. like we have some guys who can not, <laughs> we're not going to be anywhere close to what we were doing with Brees Hall. But, you know, Michael Carter, James Robinson, you know, these guys will hold the fort at least uh and then we lost elijah vera tucker but our depth on the offensive line too right is is you know they're going to do some things as well so like really really good job putting the team together and the robert sala taking it you know taking it to where we need to go right yeah and then um also yeah go ahead sauce gardner looks really good I, I was saying he looks really good, but you know it's funny the whole week, right? Like we were talking about the matchup between Stefan Diggs and Sauce, and he got you know Stefan Diggs caught the best of him early, right early on in that game where he kind yeah. of beat him. And Sauce was Sauce seemed nervous on that play because he did something like uncharacteristic where like he thought he was going to jam him up. Stefan mm-hmm. Diggs ran ran right by him uh, and caught that big play. But outside of that, he held it down pretty well. He got that key pick right mm-hmm. late in that game, and and. Right. Sauce, sauce is sauce is going to be a good player in this league, man. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, to hit back on Elijah Moore, what we were saying before, yeah. if you watch, and I'm sure you're watching a game, but if you watch a game, I saw him run this weird ass motion, running like circles around Zach Wilson at least four times. Like <laughs> they're using him to try and throw the defense off, and that's it. And they know the ball is not going to him. It's just a wonder why he's on the field. I think it's hilarious. I thought it was funny just seeing it because, like, what is he doing at this point? He's wasting his time. You know, it, it just looks ridiculous. It made me laugh a little bit, but not so much because I'm laughing at him. I'm just wondering, like, man, he really is just stuck doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. It's interesting, man. You know, and listen, uh, they got the win, you know, against yeah. against the Buffalo Bills. And that was without Elijah Moore getting a target. So the, the Jets are doing what they want at this point. And if a guy's going to complain, I guess that, you know, they're kind of putting their foot down and saying like, hey, like, listen, like you have been producing. So you're going to complain on top of that. This is what's going to happen. I Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it from a leadership perspective, from a coaching perspective. I get it. You know, I totally get it, even though I'm a big, big fan of Elijah Moore as a player. So it it is what it is. Hopefully, you know, we we can get that situation right. And Elijah Moore, you know, can get to a point where he's very productive in the league. Yeah. Um, But I want to talk about the, the split real quick. Just wanted to mention it. Uh, between Michael Carter and James Robinson, they basically split sna- snaps down the middle in this game. Uh, Carter, you know, had this slight edge in snaps, uh, but he also looked better and he had some more. He had more production. And Michael Carter did get a red zone touchdown in this game, uh, but James Robinson got the one goal line snap, so that's worth yeah. noting. Uh, he did catch a touchdown as well. Um, you know, kind of like a l- little little screen and 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 got the ball in the end zone after that soft gardener pick. Um, but you know, just kind of worth noting on that split. You know, I, I don't know how fantasy relevant these guys are gonna be moving forward, but as of right now, like I'm okay starting Michael Carter, right? As a as a upside flex play, if you know, at best right now, 
low end RB two. Like he was a low end RB two for me this week, just because yeah. there were so many teams on by and that like there was just so many <laughs> running backs missing in the rankings. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, he's probably an RB three play, and so is James Robinson, not too far behind him. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. James Robinson, yeah. you know, he did have that receiving touchdown that kind of saved his day. Um, yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it, it, it looks like Michael Carter is going to get most of the touches. James Robinson isn't really startable for me unless anything would happen to Michael Carter or some drastic shift happens, but I'm not expecting that to happen because they found a winning formula and they're going to stick to it. Naheem Hines, uh, he hardly played in, in his game against the Jets and you know, Devin Singletary, you know, continues to dominate snaps, snaps. And, and I, I'd assume that Hines will be a much bigger part of this offense in their next game. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I guess TJ Hawkinson was the only one to get a shit ton of snaps this, this yeah. week, depending on, you know, based on like all these guys getting moved. But as far as Naheem Hines goes, uh, you know, just keep him on your bench for now. Like, I'm not starting him next week either. Um, I'll yeah. just wait until he sees like 50% of snaps or something before I start him. Will that mm-hmm. happen this season? Who knows? We have no idea. You know, we're just projecting, and I would assume that he does because they made that trade midseason and they want to get yeah. him involved, uh, and he's a very good pass catcher. So I, I'd assume that happened a, l- a little bit later. Yeah, no panic okay. for me. It's not like Devin Singletary did anything to, you know, shove Naeem Hines down the depth chart and be like, no, this is my backfield. You know, eight carries for 24 yards. He caught four passes for 24 yards. It's just like, it was all right. Yeah. You know, he, he yeah. did his job. I, I think that Naeem Hines could do a lot more with that, um, especially the receiving work. So I'm not worried about him at all. You know, don't sit there and think, oh, well, now I'm screwed. I picked him up. I was thinking I was going to have a yeah. um, a good a good running back here. If you started him this week, maybe you know that's a different re- that's a different scenario. But I, that's I think on you, you. Yeah, that's on you. Yeah. Okay. If, it, if you picked him up, he should have been on your bench. You know, I don't have any problem letting him on my bench this week or even the week after. We'll see. I yeah. think he should become a bigger part of the offense. Like you this said. is they more don't, of a late late season run type of play. Yeah, they don't trade for a guy to have him sit on the bench the whole time. No. Both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert split carries down the middle with nine carries each they split goal line snaps with one each and jeff wilson was the one who played better in this game and i can totally see jeff wilson being the 1a next week i wouldn't be surprised to be honest with you i saw a stat today that underdog just posted on twitter and it was basically the 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 it was rushing yards over expectation and who was the worst who who would you guess is near the top of that list? Like, f- forget about this these running backs for a second. If yeah. you had to s- assume out of all the running backs in the league, who was the worst in in rushing yards over expectation? Worst in rushing yards over expectation, Najee Harris. Yep, good job. Nice. He was like, I think he was first or second, yeah. right? So it was a couple though, and you know who else is on that list? And we'll we'll get we'll get into it on the uh, low end. Len- uh, Leonard Fournette. Oh, he was okay. on there. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, Raheem Mostert. Uh, he was on there as well. Mm-hmm. He was like top five or six or something like that, and uh, I feel like I got to. I, I feel like I got to pull the tweet up now at this point. I'm like talking about it. Like <laughs> I was like, who else? Who yeah. else was on it? Uh, and I'm gonna put it. I'll put it. I'll pull it up for you guys right now. But you know, this is a situation to kind of monitor because you know you were you were starting Raheem Mostert, you know, as you know, an every week RB two, and at this point, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to be that. Okay, no. uh, so lowest rushing yards over expect expectation per attempt. Uh, this is per Next Gen Stats, tweeted by Underdog NFL. Cam Akers was number one as the, the worst. Yeah. Najee Harris was number two. Melvin Gordon was number three. Leonard Fournette was number four. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was number five. Raheem Mostert is number six. That's just those are the guys there. Just wanted to yeah. say that. So, and, and the reason why I bring that up is because Jeff Wilson has been playing well all season. Mm-hmm. In his first game with Miami, 50 50 split. 
and he ended up outplaying Raheem Mostert. Okay, so Jeff Wilson is somebody that <laughs> you, you might be playing him as an RB2 moving forward. And even yeah. next week, I'm actually okay playing Jeff Wilson as yeah. like a low-end RB2 flex play. Mm-hmm. I would. You know? Yeah, and, and we talked about it last week too. You know, we talked about is the cell window closed on Raheem Mostert? Yeah. You know, maybe before this game it was open a little bit. We talked about that, but you're not going to be able to get rid of Raheem Mostert now. You're kind of just stuck. Um, Jeff Wilson looked really good. It looked like he was thriving in the role that they envisioned Chase Edmonds to be playing. You know, he, he was re- catching a pass. He's catching passes. He was good on the ground, just doing what he needed to do. Um, even though, like we said, it's a big day. It was another big day for Tua in the passing game. You know, Jeff Wilson was able to get it done with that touchdown. I, I think that he's a guy to have. Raheem Mostert, you know, we talked about it. He was on pace to, you know, set the career highs that he had in touches, um, and he's 31. It's not injury this time that's keeping him back, but Jeff Wilson just looks more dynamic and, and like, a better all-around back already in this offense than Raheem Mostert did. And that's not the – not a, it's not shade at Raheem Mostert. It's just Jeff Wilson, I, I think he's a little bit younger, you know. <laughs> he, um, he, he just mm-hmm. looked better yesterday. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, they brought him in, a familiar face. I wasn't surprised to see him get some work, but the way that right. was split already, you know, it, it's pretty encouraging for Jeff Wilson moving forward. Mostert did get a lot, most of the receiving work and the receiving snaps in this game, uh, mm-hmm. two-minute offense, that sort of thing. So, you know, something to keep in mind that he'll still be involved, but, you know, we yeah. might see the 1A shift a little bit towards Jeff Wilson Jr. moving forward. But we'll see. That's just speculation for now because yep. they did split evenly this week.